Uh, I can't take it off. I okay. would never want you to take it off. I want I want you to always be wearing that shirt. But you see, Jeff, I I bought it because I thought it was funny, the idea of a screaming slice of pizza, especially if, as you're about to bite into it. I didn't realize, I didn't get the whole Rick and Morty or... Pizza Rick! Connection. Pizza yeah. Rick! Yeah. <laughs> Sean, Sean and Mila thought that was a very funny story, though, because I was so embarrassed. <laughs> I still am embarrassed. I can't wear it in public now. Pizza Hello? Roman! <laughs> Pickle Roman. <laughs> so Roman, uh, what season did you realize you were a diehard Rick and Morty fan? Was it just like right off the pizza with season one? No, it's or... probably, probably about season thirty-five. Oh man, what'd you have for lunch, Roman? Pizza. Uh... <laughs> you really stepped in at that time, you old badger. <laughs> Get us canceled. Roll the dice. <laughs> um, uh, let me think. Pizza Rick! Pizza Rick! <laughs> <laughs>place presents a perfectly acceptable podcast that's right it's about slow woodworking (laughs) man so if you if you just gently set your left ear down on the wood and you look down what you've just recently shorn from it just to make sure it's level you you know when you're working with two by twos Okay, yep. two by twos. Yep. When you're working with two by twos, you need to make sure that it's level, it's straight. You don't want any gentle arcs, turns, because we're here to talk about comic books with you. You put uh, your ear on it and you whisper it. it. You say, what, 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 I'm the wood whisperer. <laughs> what, 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 Whoa. We, we couldn't hear that at I all, Roman. I think Roman just made a fish sound. <laughs> I did. <laughs> you guys, this is the, the least coherent it's ever started off, but that's, <laughs> that is good because that's what we wanted to invite you, listener, on <clears throat> this journey with us. Um, we wanted to start in the same place with you. And if you are asking yourself, am I missing a joke? You're not. We just really think our farts smell this good. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Yeah, there's Django. Um, we got a bunch <laughs> of really important stuff to talk about this week. We're talking comic books because we weren't here last week because Roman <laughs> relapsed. <laughs> <laughs> it was a tough week. It was such a tough Roman week. Relapsed. Thanks for all the support, though. So. Yeah. And damn it. Roman, thank you for getting on the other side of that wagon. Django, I feel like you had done something for us or you were going to, you know, find the right time to do something for us or where did that all end up? Um so, we're here to talk about comics. Um very yeah. excited. The three of us run a comic book shop in Bellingham, Washington. Uh and and we really like comic books and each other comings and goings of our lives. Okay. Yeah, I know that you've got a whole thing going on, comings and goings, and et cetera. Do you want to pause that for a minute? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah. let's see if this works. Okay. Hello, and happy episode 323. Did you know 323 backwards is 323? That's what makes it so happy. Whoa. Um, you know, I was going to send you guys an email or a voice memo or whatever I'm doing right now. Asking Django all about his experience at San Diego Comic-Con, talking about the panel, mm. talking about attending the Eisners, all the cool people he interacted with, et cetera, et cetera. He's probably already planning on talking about a bunch of that, so nah. you know, feel free to <laughs> share as much of that as you want. But I also just went upstairs and went pee and washed my hands, and it made me think about Django oh. telling me that he met Tom King coming out of the bathroom, apologizing for having wet hands. <laughs> and bragging, it made really. me... 
wonder who is Tom the King's coolest person that you guys have met, like celebrity, pop culture, person, whatever, comics. Um, who's the coolest person that you've met in the lamest way? Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. I would say Tom King coming out of the bathroom. I would say when you and I got sat behind Bob Dylan at the Cheesecake Factory. That was, Ooh. yeah, yeah, good call. Because first off, I don't want Bob Dylan to know I go to the Cheesecake Factory. And I didn't so, want to know Bob Dylan goes to the Cheesecake and that's Factory. that's the other right? thing. <laughs> that's the other thing. You don't want to picture the world's greatest poet scribbling on napkins at a cheesecake factory with his fucking crooked nose waist deep and a caramel turtle cheesecake dude the height of those chairs and the table ratio didn't do anything for like he was hunched over yeah. so far to get those noodles in his mouth yeah yeah yes. who gets the super noodles bummer. at cheesecake factory lamest lamest thing ever Bob dylan super nice guy Hey, yeah, super nice guy. Super nice guy. Tipped 18%. I checked. Exactly 18%. World's greatest poet, ladies and gentlemen. 18%. Yeah. yeah. I like the way the one looks next to the eight. I like the sesame oil they put on the, the cold noodle salad. <laughs> oh. Man, our farts do smell good. Yeah, yeah. Look at Roman just sitting there, like I would like to talk about comics now. Okay. Um, hey, wait, who did you yeah. meet, Roman? Yeah, Roman. Uh, um, I don't know. I guess Lou Ferrigno at one of the Emerald City Comic Cons, because he was on the backside of our booth, and we met, not for any cool comic book or or TV show reason, because we were kind of both monkeying with our our power strip at the bottom of the curtain and at the same time we're kind of both just like boy this sucks that's a pretty good one yeah i i uh stood next to lou ferrigno at a hudson bay in the los angeles airport once i walked past lou ferrigno at a convention once he wanted 48 dollars <laughs> to shake his hand and i just kept on going <laughs> really 48 dollars did they come with a picture i don't know it, it was irrelevant to me at that point. Like yeah, I yeah, wouldn't yeah, pay yeah. forty-eight bucks for either of those. That's like, dude, that's that's two meals and a dessert at the Cheesecake Factory. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's like the cost of two people getting to meet Bob Dylan. Do you like? What if you went to Lou Ferrigno's line to pay to shake his hand, and like, like before terms of service were agreed, you were just like, "Hi, I'm Jeff," and reached your hand out to shake his hand. Would he refuse? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. What if you would? Uh, you're like, "Oh, sorry, I forgot." Hi, I'm like, Jeff. I just washed my hands. That's why they're wet. That'll be forty-eight dollars for what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Prove it. <laughs> okay, so Django. Talk, let's talk comics, eh? Let's talk shop. I like comics. Thanks, Will. <laughs> Did you read The Last Days of Lex Luthor? I didn't. Okay. I, I only had room in me for one oversized gigantic book this week, and it was a vicious circle. Okay. Well, I Sorry. was just curious. I bet Roman read it. I have it I here. I'm going to flip through it while you talk. I read okay. it. Well, I guess this seems like as good. To quote, um, you know, to quote it, let's start at the very beginning because it's a very good place to start. Okay. All mm -hmm. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Superman, The Last Days of Lex Luthor. This is written by Mark Wade with art by Brian Hitch. The Hitcher. The Hitcher. Hitch and still Kevin help. Nolan. Hitch, yeah, Hitch on pencils and Kevin Nolan on inks with colors by David Barron. Yeah. Well, so Roman, I think right off the bat, it's worth mentioning that I think Kevin Nolan on inks changes Brian Hitch's art style quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, and improves it. I totally agree. So I talked to some people who weren't going to read this because they're, you know, they, they dislike Brian Hitch that much. And I, I don't particularly like him either. And I've talked about that for a long time, but um, he's doing Ultimate Invasion, which we're talking about later, and this book. And I'm very excited for both of the, these books. So I'm happy to tolerate it. But yeah, there's almost, I mentioned it to Django, but there's almost... Um, uh, Monkey. Yeah, a Doug Monkey thing going on with the art. Is that who I had said? 
I think so. Because yeah, that that is what I feel. Um, but I, I'm trying. I was like, was it Monkey or a different name? That was it. Anyway, um, yeah, there's a really cool difference that it makes to his art. Roman, would you? What? Yeah, what? Where do you? Do yeah, you buy yeah. your shoes at the same store as me? I I do. They would. I do. Except I, I I dig through the remainder bins and try and mix and match. Um, but he does some cool stuff in here with. Uh, there's like one page that's an homage to basically just i don't think any well to like 70s silver age late silver age um 70s 80s comic books it's, it's a it's a um i can't think of the word it's mosaic montage oh, um, okay. uh, the page where Luke, superman and lex luther and his battle armor are locked hand in hand and there's just scenes of various oh, yeah. adventures behind and i know that superman and lex locked hand in hand that's from something and like the Lex strangling him with his power gloves is from a certain issue back in, because I had that issue from my childhood, the floating cities. I mean, I was like, this is great. He's a he's homaging all this late Silver Age stuff, which is you know, Mark Wade. Well, weird, Mark Wade doing that, huh? Yeah, yeah. This is such a great issue. Yeah, it felt to issue. me. I what I had said to Django was like it felt like a Superman story that would have come out around the time of like whatever happened in the Man of Tomorrow or something. Like it feels like a really classic superman story and i love that um mark wade is getting to tell these like between this and like world's finest which is just like the best justice league book that could be coming out like he's getting to finally do these kind of classic dc stories and he's excels at them i think better than most modern writers so yeah i really like how timeless this feels yeah there's um since this is black label he gets to do like the silver age superman that just has you know, you need a power here. He's got this power. He's got microscopic yeah. vision again. And and he's a super genius. He can calculate like tremor wavelength patterns and figure out <laughs> how to prevent an earthquake. And like kind of Silver Age logic, like when they go to the Phantom Zone and the way that Luther is expelled from it. Like, yeah. And I guess just getting a giant oversized issue to have Lex and Superman bounce off of each other, which when done well is a real joy to read is very, very cool that that's kind of what this whole mini series is. And I think that the black label size actually serves it pretty well. Like, you know, Brian Hitch is described as like a big screen artist, but I actually think it worked. It served the story here. Yeah. I kind of felt like I was, Oh man, there's this beautiful panel where he's, Superman's using his microscopic vision to check out Luther's insides. It's awesome. Um, Yeah, yeah, I felt like this, reading this at the Black Label size, it it reminded me of reading, um, you know, like an early 80s Treasury edition. It was just, had that feel to it, that fun atmosphere and and all the cool colors and neat art and crazy concepts. Brought back the the thing, one of the things I always liked from the Silver Age where uh, Lex and and Clark were teenagers together in Smallville, yeah. and that I and that original idea that it was, it kind of, it's not the same in here, but it kind of plays on the idea that Lex first lost his hair because of an experiment he was doing, like in the barn or something, and Clark tried to save him, but he couldn't, and then Lex blamed Clark for like making all his hair fall out, which wasn't yeah. the case. But I love that they're going back to that old origin because I remember being a kid and. Being like that's dumb you know and now i'm an adult i'm like no that, that's like classic ridiculous fantastic and and yeah the size I, yeah i think because it's black label and it's out of continuity and because of the size you know it does it had that feeling of like i feel like this is the first black label that's been like a really classic feeling one like all the other ones yeah. feel sort of like we're in this size because we're kind of edgy and cool and doing new stuff and this was like almost yeah more hearkening back to the days of treasury editions or something so i i really liked reading this so the setup here is that lex is sick because of an experiment that he had going on and he's dying and he wants superman to help save him basically yeah <clears throat> does that sound like all-star superman to you but reversed yeah hmm. kind of i mean superman has 12 tasks that he's fated to complete before he dies and he gets before he dies sleep. from radiation poisoning from the sun, basically yeah yeah um and don't we don't we have a sympathetic lex yeah. in superman right now too yep that's weird to me that, that like the bad guy of like 
Lex Luthor and the Joker are like the two bad guys that if you destroyed the whole universe, those two would survive comics. And they're kind of making Lex good right now or sympathetic, I guess. Yeah. Well, he's pretty bad in this. Like he. Okay. Yeah. He's not sympathetic in this. I mean, he. He he wants Superman. He figures Superman is his last resort to maybe save himself, but he still like pulls a fast one on Superman in the process of doing that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and he you know he he kind of comments on just like Superman's altruistic need to not let people die will compulsively make him need to save Luther. And in my head, I'm sort of like think of how many people are having dis- disasters happen to them and die. Thousands of people, millions of people are dying. While he's spending this time to save Luther, I'm like, well, right. Superman, think about your priorities. But whatever. Luther would have to save a lot of people from potential danger to In clear Superman's dance card. Yeah, but but you know that that's old stinking thinking. But yeah, the issue itself I thought was fantastic. Roman, what would you give it? Oh my god, uh, this this right out of the box, this is my ten for the week. <gasps> oh my fish sticks, a gooey yes. dewy. The gooey dewy. Look at the Fortress of Solitude is so beautiful yeah. with this. I'm gonna go nine. Um, but it's it's phenomenal. I love it. I love it. I love reading it. And I I had mentioned yesterday to somebody else, <clears> yeah, <throat> I bet Roman really liked it. I mean that was yeah. Wednesday, but yeah. All right, Django. Um take me somewhere. I thought that one had you all over it. It does. I just I don't know if you know this, Jeff, but my stack of comics this week was like two inches or three inches tall. It was Mine a was ton of books. Enormous. I read like fourteen from this week. Yeah, yeah, and I I, I plowed through most of mine last week. Um, oh, gosh, did you read Ribbon Queen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, did you too, Roman? Okay, let's talk about Ribbon Queen a little bit. Yeah. Um, Garth Ennis and Jason Burroughs doing a crime procedural that uh, looks and feels a little bit like a walk through hell and has probably some sort of kind of mystical, magical murder happening by the end. It's interesting you you bring up the walk through hell comparison because I was even like wondering I was like is this possibly like years after that like I was looking for like is oh. this that same and it's not I don't think. I don't think so but, yeah like, it just felt similar enough and it was the same creative team but yeah um yeah and yeah I do think there's a, the, a supernatural element here it seems like by the mm-hmm. end yeah so we're basically following this uh woman cop who's really good at her job and who is pretty sure that a guy from a SWAT team is a murderer. And uh, so she's like trying to get through all this red tape. And by the end of the issue, we find out pretty, pretty positively that even if he is the guy who's killing people, he's not going to do it anymore because his flesh has been literally torn into ribbons and it's floating around his body and he's having a really bad time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dude's getting his skin flayed, and he seems bummed about it. It's so um, gross. I didn't realize there was an afterword written by Garth Ennis in here. Did you guys read that? I did read it, and he talks about where the concept of this came from. And it was um, like he, he knocked over a glass, and his dad said that uh, like not to not to pick it up because it'll cut him to ribbons. And in his like 10 year old mind, he imagined like a person's skin turning into like silk ribbons floating in the air. And I thought that that's a pretty cool thing to pull from for a supernatural murder scene. I really liked it. This is a, you know, Garth Ennis, it's all, it's usually pretty good. And I didn't expect this horror aspect of the, I don't know why I didn't, I should have, but, uh, all along, I was like, "Why is it called Ribbon Queen?" Until we finally get to the end, I was like, "Oh, there it is." Okay, um, but I really enjoyed. It. I, I enjoyed. You know, it's nice to see this this crappy cop get flayed flayed alive by something we can't even see. Um, but he's going to make some good statements in th- here about a lot of current events. I think even the the Q in the Ribbon Queen logo, I just realized. I think that's a subtle little um, slam on QAnon. Quentin Tarantino. Oh, QAnon. Tarantino, sure. 
Him too. <laughs> yeah, there is a sort of subculture finding its way into comic books. They're trying to bring down Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> Enough yeah, with the feet. I thought it was a pretty good like police procedural book. Uh, I just finished that book series Blood Tree by Peter Tomasi. Oh, and, like, I that finished was, that this week too. Yeah, I go, that was just like another like solid procedural. This kind of like follows right from that. Uh, I mm-hmm. didn't finish A Walk from Through Hell, but I liked what I read and it, that seemed to be kind of a, of a similar ilk. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was like a half of half a hair below what I kind of come to expect from both of these guys uh Django we talked about like there seeming to be like a little bit of a difference in Jason Burroughs art style here so yeah. like not lack of skill but fe- feels like a different approach to what he's doing there's like less lines that, you know like the hair does isn't all drawn out as a bunch of individual hairs and stuff I yeah think I- for me it seems like fewer straight on shots and less less of a paper doll aspect to the art yeah and and then you know, while I was reading it, I was like, man, this shitty cop is like really one dimensionally shitty cop. Like this is not a subtly written mm-hmm. thing, but then by the end he, he dies. So that is fine because it's not a character that sticks around. So they needed to make us feel a certain way within 22 pages. Um, yeah, there was just, you know, but I, that said, I still did really like it. It's a very effectively good police procedural. I'm not a hundred percent sure I'll make how far I'll make it in because yeah, I don't, like the supernatural and the police procedural can be kind of hit and miss with me when they both go together. Like I liked that blood tree one because it was like, there wasn't a supernatural element. But. Right. Yeah. That was, that was just, that was kind of a um, silence of the lambs kind of thing going on with that. Yeah. Well, this one is ribbon queen. It's only going to be eight issues. It looks like. Yeah. Um, and I, I really appreciate when Garth Ennis comes out swinging with something that's slow like this. I think he does really good detective stuff. I think he does really good horror stuff. And when he can take his time with something and, and put it in eight issues instead of four issues, uh, I, I tend to I tend to appreciate his slightly decompressed storytelling a little bit more. Yeah. He's just so good at characters and voices for, for characters. That's true. When he's not cramming stuff in there and he yeah. gets to let, yeah, the natural pace go. Like that's one of the strengths of preacher for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Did you notice it says, uh, issue two unravels August 23rd. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Pickle Rick, pizza Rick, pizza Rick. Rick. Okay. So the listeners don't know about the whole, yeah, I don't know what you, I don't know what you're talking about either. From earlier. Jeff just really likes pizza and he asked us to call him Rick before the show started. Rick, Rick is often Rick is often short for Jeff. Rick is a name I've been dabbling with changing to for quite a while. That's yeah. true. Rick, yeah, I'll never call you Dick if you change your name to Rick. I give it, it an eight. The and big a half. motivation for me is I just want you to stop calling me Dick. <laughs> you gave it an eight and a half. I'm going to give it an eight. I'm going to give it a nine. Wow. Ooh, nine from the Rome doll. Nine this, fleshy strips. This guy strips flesh. This guy over here. Like the human chicken strips. Like the human chicken strips of old. Pass me the cheese grater. You get... So, Roman... Fucking A. Roman, you're probably not reading Tenement, right? Oh, did the second one come out? Yeah. Sure did. I read the first one. Nice. I haven't read the second one. You read the first one like a week late, right? Because you missed the first one. Maybe it's just a tradition for this book, Jeff. But he he hasn't read any of the Bone Orchard stuff up to it. Oh, wow. Well, I this read, one... I read the one with the lighthouse. Yeah, that's true. You did read that one. Okay, yeah. okay, never mind. I didn't realize you read that one. I thought you were done with Andrea Sorrentino. He's... I'm... We're, we're, we're done in other ways, but, you know. Oh. We can be professional and talk okay. about the work. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> well, in that case, I won't say way too much about it, because Roman, I think that Say everything you want. There's just some very cool art stuff going on in this issue. Um, yeah. Uh, he's doing some really interesting stuff with the fact that there's like seven different narratives that thread together to make the bulk of this story or all of the story. And they all take place in this tenement hall. So there's ways that those narratives are separately visualized within double page spreads that sort of like join together uh, visually as well as thematically. Uh, it, there's, it's, it's very cool. Um, a big thing happens in this issue to the tenement house. Jango, are you liking this? 
I I think so. Um, I think I have to spoil this to talk about it, though. Yeah. Like, the tenement house gets transported to hell or whatever the, the bone orchard area is. Yeah. And we get to see Sorrentino's depiction of, like, where these elder gods live or where their monuments are or something. something. We don't know yet. I haven't decided if I like that. Yeah. Like the, the stuff underground in both of the previous series wasn't my favorite part. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to finding out how Jeff Lemire is going to handle that side of things. Yeah. I, I, I'm undecided on that. I think that the last page is super good cliffhanger and super creepy and the art leading up to it is wonderful. So yeah, I mean, you know, I'm I'm just a diehard fan for this team. Yeah. Pretty much full stop. So I don't I'm not gonna dock them for me being unsure about how they're going to handle maybe hell in some number of issues from now. Yeah. I I really like the hell twist. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I uh I like a trip to hell in a book. Um to, and you know, I'm pretty lenient on my even strictness on of how hell is portrayed like give me that constantine scene where he goes to hell love it um but yeah the art in this is is just particularly effing incredible and also so good die hard fan of this creative team um and i yeah i particularly love that hell double double page spread <laughs> it's really good i give it an eight i give it a nine nine from jeff nine from jeff am i grumpy no Hang you're on. not no, me, no 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 you gave feel, a different you gave a different book a higher score than me i feel my no i'm not grumpy i'm not grumpy feel your cockles i'm not fucking grumpy whoa buddy Did you guys think read? about think about think about wood whispering no oh, i love wood whispering oak birch <laughs> Cedar. Elm. Perch. Cedar. Elm. Cedar. Perch. Oak. Oak. Elm. Perch. Cedar. <laughs> I really Hardly like, know her. I really like Roman Cedar. <laughs> Cedar. It's just quick. Cedar. <laughs> jumping in. Man, this is not a type Canyon. of podcast. This is not a type of podcast. This is not like a, oh, they were really funny that time. It was like, no, they were just doing tree sounds. Russell, 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 Russell. Banyan. Banyan. Um, you guys read an Ultimate Invasion? Or Simeon. Sure it is. Jay Hickey Ooh. Doohickey. Jay Hickey Doohickey and Doodly Dee. Jay Hickey Doohickey. Ultimate Invasion by... Jonathan oh, yeah. and Brian Hitch. I read that. I read that. There's a Hulk in it. There's a Hulk in it, for sure. Um, this is, you know, definitely the one of the most exciting books for me coming out because when Jonathan Hickman does an event, it's just my, you know, as, as much of like my favorite type of comics as exist. I don't know that this one is great yet, um, but I like it a lot for the potential and promise of it. But yeah, this one kind of starts where the last issue left off where Reed has built a new ultimate universe and he's kind of moving pieces of time around to shape it to his will. And the bulk of this one is him hanging out with Howard Stark, Tony Stark's dad, because he's eliminated most of the people that would have been superheroes in this planet. But Tony Stark's dad is kind of a superhero guy. And then during a big like meeting that was going to happen, a team that comes from the future comes and tries to assassinate Howard Stark and Reed Richards, or maybe just ultimate Reed Richards. I mean, um, but I couldn't tell if when he was telling Howard Stark that at the end, if he was lying and this was a thing that he planned to like manipulate Howard Stark, or <laughs> if this was actually the truth of it, because like it's a bunch of clones of like Captain America, but in that reality, Captain America hadn't existed so if it's from the future, what would it have been basing Captain America on? Or are they from a different reality? Like, is it, you know, like, is it different members? Yeah. I'm, it didn't I'm, seem like they would be from a different reality. Yeah, it's I agree. Seem, because in order to, like, spoiler, 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 in order to kill all of the people who came after him, 
he had had his people round up their ancestors from the past and and killed them all at once and then that erased the the heroes from existence uh it erased the heroes that were like from the future to kill them i think so it's the ones oh, that were that outside of the yeah it's the heroes that were outside of the shields that were just waiting to kick his ass yeah i don't know it was, it was a little bit confusing but i like the idea that it was reed manipulating stark because like the way that they all those heroes die looks like it could be reed's uh stretchy fleshy bits being all pink and dissolved man i didn't yeah i didn't realize that the way that he killed them was by finding their ancestor like the seed dna and killing them that's fucking cool yeah i thought that was well pretty done. awesome um so this seems like another book that we're reading right now jeff so where somebody kills all the heroes oh big time big time yeah world without heroes is a old is an old trope yeah i really like the panel with uh evil reed's head missing a big chunk of it yep i like that that was pretty rad that was a good reveal i really like that i just didn't know if i was trusting anything evil reed said like i like that that's how well written that character is is i don't know if he's lying or telling the truth at any given point Mm -hmm. yeah roman what what do you think about this i agree I, i really like that too that you can't you can't trust uh evil reed the maker and I forgot in this one, he points out that uh, I'd forgotten that he's not the ultimate Reed Richards because the Reed Richards in the ultimate universe, he prevented them from getting powers and that Reed just died. This is I, actually the maker is from a different, another like Reed from another universe that came to the ultimate universe and then came to our universe or, you know, 616 universe. Wait. I thought this was ultimate Reed Richards who came to our universe, but now he's created a different reality where in this new like third reality, he's gone back in time and killed what would have been Reed Richards. So there's not a Reed in that reality. Oh, there's a third reality. This isn't just the regular ultimate universe. No, no, that was gone. Yeah. That one ended in secret wars and he wanted to go back, but that reality ended. So he created this. Oh, this is the ultimate bummer universe. Yeah. Our reality (laughs) is six, one, six, the, Ultimate Universe was 161, and this is 6160. Uh, I forgot all that. Maybe the Ultimate was 1610. Something (laughs) like that. But yeah, it was the opposite. It inverted the six and the ones. So this inverts those again and adds like a prime. Um, I'm I'm liking it a lot just because it's intelligent and makes me want to figure out what's going on, and I don't, and I don't yet. Um, but it's not as good of Brian Hitch as the Superman Brian Hitch, but it's also, I don't mind it. You know, like I, I, like I said about the first issue, I totally give it a pass because he did the art in ultimates one and two. And I kind of like that through line. Yeah. Yeah. That fits. I was under the impression that we had to wait until like November to see the resolution of this. So I was really glad to see it in here and to get more of this story. I like the first one quite a bit and I like this one also. <sighs> Speaking of smelling your own farts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I feel like Hickman does that and gets a yeah. little too clever for his own good and I think he's he's tickling that in this issue. Um like just the fact that you didn't catch something about that and that i didn't catch that maybe he was lying like that's some intricate intricate shit that doesn't have as many um like comic book clues as i would maybe like and that's part of what you love about a hickman or a grant morrison you're right it it doesn't necessarily utilize the medium to its fullest in what i think it does well like it yeah yeah it, it is very text heavy or narrative heavy or the transfer of ideas through text and um maybe sometimes lacks a visual cue to help that um but i i i I love it but i do yeah Yeah. i agree he is you know a little pretentious and uh, definitely likes kind of leaning into that i think if like he makes abstract shapes not chairs is what i'm trying to say okay when he's when he's woodworking (laughs) 
It's abstract shapes. It's geometry that's wrong from a certain point of view. It's not functional. That said, that said, I wouldn't have thought somebody could use their hands to carve a wooden bean bag that was also comfortable. No, like undeniably talented undeniably talented geometrically like yeah it, it's shapes not sound or yeah surface not it's sh- whatever you said earlier 8.0 <laughs> is what i said uh what i said was nine 8.59 actually is what i wrote 8.59 8.59 so, 8. yeah. 8. oh. yeah oh i see what i you think mean. i'll give it an eight yeah yeah oh that's not, what what do you want to give it jeff um, I'm going to go up to a nine because that extra idea you taught, you tossed my way, um, tickles me quite a bit. I, the way I've interpreted it, I just alley-ooped it, baby. I thought that he, because the way that they died and were drawn dying reminded me very much of how those clones in the first issue, like the, the three people that he combined oh, in yeah. his version that then died visually was very similar. Like they kind of like liquefied in that same mm-hmm. way. So I had thought they would have been generate like kind of a visual through line to this idea that he was able to create life that would not sustain itself. But I think what was overtly stated in this is, is probably what happened. And Brian Hitch just has some tendencies towards drawing how people die. Or he was lying and he created those look what looked like clone Avengers just out of his own genetic material to convince Howard to yeah. build the time machine. Which totally could be it, which is yeah. kind of what I had originally thought, but yeah. not just the time travel part, but yeah. So oh, before, God. before Django <laughs> talks about a vicious circle, Roman firepower came back. Firepower. It did. Hardly know her power. <laughs> Double sized 25th issue. That I, I don't know how many months it's been since we had I know. I was like, when did this? You know what? While you talk in, about it a second, I'm going to look up when the last issue was. All right. This is another good issue. You know, it's, and I was surprised. It starts off with um, a few pages, more than a few, five, six pages that are just all artwork driven, just uh, silent panels um, with. Uh, Oh, I forgot his name. The old Owen, our our protagonist, and, and like Wei his, Lun or yeah, Wei Wei Lin, whatever his name is. Yeah, his, but uh, I, I his get sensei. some of those confused. But yeah, just them confronting each other because in the twenty fourth issue, we found out that uh, Owen's parents were actually killed by his his beloved master. And this issue explores a lot of that, or begins to explore that. It's and it's very it's very moving. It's very touching. I mean, we see his master come to tears quite a few times because his his kind of son figure is very mad at him doesn't want anything to do with him anymore after after they finish saving the world from this nasty dragon and the evil master yeah uh the previous issue was october of last year so wow uh, so yeah, yeah almost nine a year. months yes in the the arc almost like the whole arc leading up to this one was like this giant fight for several issues which looked gorgeous because Chris Somney's art is beautiful but my favorite parts of the series are all the interpersonal stuff and like the issues where there's just people talking and like Owen dealing with the two women in his life and the kids and and all of that stuff and this had a lot of that in it which I liked a lot and kind of blended that with the melodrama of the action so um, I thought that was really well done I liked the way that they give us some hope at the end of the issue and give us a little um, metaphorical way of representing how much Waylon loves Owen, you know, uh, and is demonstrating that without having to say it. Because men can't Wayland? talk about emotions. Wayland. Oh, Wayland. Uh, Givens. Um, right. Yeah. I, so, yeah. Yeah. I loved in this because you reach a point in this where pretty early on when you think, um, you know, the student is going to have to fight his master and, mm-hmm. and over this betrayal and everything. And I love that. And it's mostly done without dialogue that uh, no, Owen turns away, stops, you know, they don't fight physically, but he tells his master that, you know, we've got to, I need you to try and save the world here and stop this dragon. And we're going to do that. So we're past whatever we need to do that. But then later on the issue, he's like, you know, after this is done, I don't, I don't know really anything to do with you. Yeah. But I love yeah. the fact they just, they talk about it and they, they talk around it, but they don't actually physically fight. Yep. And I really like in that. In a Kirkman book. I know. Right. Feelings. 
and the <laughs> the art in it is spectacular like roman said there's a lot of pages at the beginning are just you know big splash pages or double splash pages or you know just visual storytelling it's it's really really gorgeous and i uh, kind of forgot it existed ah uh, splash pages because there's also a tsunami in this yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's drawn in a splash page oh roman um <laughs> i gave it an 8.0 i give it a boy this was really damn good i'll give it a mm-hmm. nine mm-hmm. did you guys read this I Vicious did. circle number two roman this had two panels in it that just got me so excited for comics um the first issue we like met this guy and hung out with him and he's like a a dude who's can kill people but he's also kind of blipping through time and jeff maybe you remember i can't remember if we found out that the reason he blips through time is every time he kills someone he goes to a new time i can't remember if we've learned that in the first issue or we learned that in the beginning of this issue. i think that that was revealed here okay and it's been a long time since that first issue came out and I was not even 100% sure that there was going to be a second issue of this. Mm -hmm. This one starts with our protagonist in the dinosaur era tricking a Tyrannosaurus Rex into falling to its death. And the panel, like this giant splash page where he's jumping off of a cliff and killing a dinosaur is so rad. And the, the action leading up to it is so well done. Man, I I just thought that this was one of the best one of the best panels I've seen in a long time. Um and we get more more kind of details about his his life and his problems with this other guy and how they ended up in this situation. There's a super gross shot of both of them shooting each other in the face. Yeah. Uh back when they first met. But then the other panel that really got me was um yeah, just like the murder of a historical figure. Man, it's just it just it, I I guess this thing is just fast. Like you see something and you're like, "Oh, this would be kind of cool if, you know, he started stalking this guy and and took care of him and he just does it in this. Like you turn the page and bang, the guy's getting killed." I think I really like the art. It's a little bit computery. Um, but not off-putting like that can sometimes be. What do you think of this, Jeff? <laughs> I liked it quite a bit. It reminded me of Crank High Voltage Two, High Voltage or whatever. Like I haven't seen that movie, but just the way Jenga talks about it, this whole <laughs> issue is just like mostly a big chase scene, kind of like through time. Yeah, but then some slow bits too. Yeah, it's got some slow bits. It, it's a it's a shockingly fast read. Like yeah. you know it, the it's just a very quick moving book in in kind of every regard. I really like that he uses different art styles for each different time period. I think that's fucking incredible. I don't love the kind of computery art that you mentioned. Like it's, it's a little uncanny Valley. I'm like, are these photos with just a filter on it? Like it's, 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 but where do you get a photo of a Tyrannosaurus Rex? Yeah, I don't know. How do you build that from scratch, man? I don't know, but holy shit. It feels like weirdly shortcutty or something like I don't mind Alex Maleev's cities, but it kind of makes me think yeah. about how you have talked about Alex Maleev's cities and stuff. You know, f- from a technical perspective, it looks to me like he did some of the art at a lower resolution than the format would want. Hmm. And I don't know if that's exactly what's going on, but it looks to me like a lot of the supercomputery art was upsampled from maybe a 70% full size. But then he changes these styles and they look awesome. Like when you're they're in the kind of like techno Giver city area, mm-hmm. kind of in the middle. Like I love that art style a ton. Uh, love He's in like World War II. Like love that. And even the kind of like more Batman noir Joker, like medieval stuff in here is, is great. Like it's not quite as digital. Yeah. I, I think the art's spectacular. I think as far as a story goes of like, you know, it's kind of like a big chase. There is kind of a slowdown scene, but um, I think it did a, 
you know, like I kind of want to know a little bit more about these two guys and maybe that's on me for not remembering it from the first issue, which was a long time ago. And maybe like if I read them close together, I would know more about these guys. I don't think we really did just that they're connected and hate each other. Yeah. Okay. I think, yeah. um, but I still give it a high score. I gave it a nine. I think it was I give very it a 10. good. Yeah, it was a very, it was a very good comic. And I'm glad when Django was like, you should read this. I was like, do I like, did it stand on its own legs? If you haven't read number one, since it came out like a year ago. And he was mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's like almost like a one shot. And I totally agree. I, I think it yeah. works really well, whether it was new information or reminding us of, of information, it did it really well and not in an exposition heavy way. And, did that much of a gap pretty well. I just don't have like an audible reaction to panels twice in an issue ever. And this one got me two times. I was like, Oh, this is rad sitting in my backyard, drinking coffee and talking to my comic books, like 10.0 baby. Yeah. This other, the first issue was December. Yeah. What, what is going on? Like what's the, what's the holdup on firepower and this and all no. Roman, regale us with tales of something you read. Why I returned some of my books. What? Uh, How are you like a the... Hulk with the second issue? You were you weren't super hot um, on the first issue. No, and I'm I'm less hot on the second issue. I um, was less hot on this issue, also. Yeah, I mean it was okay, but the strong cool. opinions. <laughs> yeah, the covers cool. like the Hulk. <laughs> cover um, is cool like it's it was just kind of like some people stumble on a zombie church yeah without much context <laughs> or development and then at the very end the hulk comes out yeah, yeah there was like, more character work in the first issue than this one this was just sort of like also like that yeah, not Bruce Banner. no no i know yeah i have that problem with the art too it's like you know i did and it's more than just him having long hair it's just it just doesn't visually have the tone of bruce banner somehow i i suppose i mean more just like the writing of it like the genius aspect of him seems oh. removed um yeah yeah that too yeah which like i think is important in the bruce banner dumb yeah yeah he's too much of a joe schmo in this yeah a joe schmo uh yeah, yeah so we're you both know. looser on that i was 7.5 yeah i'd probably i'd probably give it a boy Six point five, seven, right around there. But you met Lou Ferrigno. Lou I did, Ferrigno and, and an if he actor. was if he was in this issue, <laughs> I'd give it a higher score. Did you say six point five? Because he's a nice guy. Sure. Six point Lou. Yeah, ah. six point Lou. Um, did anybody happen to read totally grammatically incorrectly titled "What If"? Dark Spider Gwen. <laughs> no, but I really want to, <laughs> and I have a copy. Uh, to read so you talk about it i'm gonna grab a glass of water it is it is it, it you know it's a fun read just because it's jerry conway writing it and i think he wrote the original death of gwen stacy story um okay so that was cool i mean it definitely reads you know like a comic book from the 70s um and it's a good premise it's basically it's basically what if they don't word it this way but what if uh at that time on top of the bridge with Gwen and the Green Goblin and stuff, what if Spidey had not webbed her, but caught her and cradles her, but then the Green Goblin snaps his spider line and still in trying to protect her, he saves her, but on the way down, he cracks the back of his skull on part of the bridge and oh. Spider-Man dies. Wow. Um, yeah. And Gwen wakes up in the water and she's like, what's going on? And then she sees Spider-Man floating next to her face down and she grabs him and, you know, thinking maybe possibly he's still alive. She pulls off his mask to do CPR or something and finds out that it's Peter. So it's shocking and traumatizing. And she gets together with Harry Osborn to try and somehow get revenge on the green goblin. Mm -hmm. Um, Even going so far as to donning Peter's old costume and getting a gun. She has no powers or anything. And there's a great scene where she figures out his web shooters and she's standing on the side of a building and she's thinking, okay, how did Peter do this? And she's aiming and she's like, no, this is crazy. I can't do this. And just um, bails. Yeah. Yeah. That decides, okay, I'll get Harry's help and we'll go after the green goblin. Um, and toward the end, it kind of loses momentum, but it was a cool idea. Huh? I don't know what about if- you guys, but uh, I would have a hard time swinging 
on a rope without having spider powers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's totally insane. I mean, you know, Gwen is young and, and in shape, I guess, but she's not an athlete. So then she realizes like, this will kill me. <laughs> yeah. Ballet. Um, the only thing I really didn't like about this is was the Greg Lamp cover, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was like, wow, that's uh Spidey's body is very foreshortened there. His yeah. Left leg is all messed up <laughs> in flipping through it. I love how much it looked like the art of those, that style, that era. Um, yeah. It just looks like a comic kind of from that time that I love of the goblin. Yeah. And luckily land wasn't the in- interior artist, but it's nice. Right. They start off with reprinting some of the pages from right. the original issue. And then it's, a, and then who is the artist? This issue. I can't find a credits page. It um, is Ramon box. B-A-C-H-S. Hey, Jacob, oh, okay. that was really quick thinking with the getting the email audio in here. That was a great instance of you being in charge of something uh, instead of me and solving a problem that we have every time. Well, thanks, buddy. But people, you, don't like to, you don't have to put compliments on this. record that this goes way against our shtick. It was just that was just that was really it was some deft thinking, some deft problem solving. <laughs> I'm, I was impressed. Roman. OK, Jeff. Can you problem solve this? Yes. Please. How do we get a score out of Roman now? How many uh, tacos? How many El Pastor tacos is it? Seven. Nice. Seven. Nice. Seven pizza ricks. It's, Django, I told you about what happened in this, but Roman, did you read the X-Men Hellfire Gala special? <laughs> <laughs> I did not. Really? You... Yeah, because I'm an old grump, and I thought the... The first Hellfire Gala, I thought it was truly special, and it was something that wasn't going to happen every single year. So now I, I don't thought, read it out of principle. <laughs> yeah, I I thought that too. And after the second one, I was like, "This is going to be a, become a dumb thing." Um, How fucking stupid are the X Men that they keep having these galas, dude? <laughs> Roman, this was awesome. Oh, oh. I'm going to spoil right. it. I'm going to spoil it. Okay. I already spoiled it for Django. I'm going to spoil it for the <laughs> listeners. So be careful. Just Rome. for God's sake, read this book before Jeff says another word, Peter. <laughs> yeah. Like, you got a pause button? Use it. <laughs> so they're having the Hellfire Gala. There's all these people, you know, non-mutants there. Like, they always bring them, and there's all these mutants there. And it's huge, and they bring back Ms. Marvel because she's a mutant. And um, there's some really good Ms. Marvel stuff in it. But then, like, Sinister and these other bad guys that have been floating around, like Modoc. Wait, they brought back Ms. Ms. Marvel for the gala, but they haven't brought her back in the other Marvel books yet. I mean, they like brought they revived her in like during this book in this book. Oh, and that's how she comes back to the regular universe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That was quick. It was quick. <laughs> um, but kind of like with mutants and death, they just make it not a thing. She's a mutant. Yeah. So all this shit happens. All the bad guys show up, like Sinister and Modok and that team, uh, and Nimrod. And a bunch of stuff happens, but the long and short of it is that Sinister is like, dude, I have hacked into your guys' medicine, which was kind of disclosed earlier. Um, And I've planted this back door into all of it. So any human who's had that, I can now like kill instantly. Oh, jeez. And like he demonstrates it to Charles and like almost kills a bunch of these humans that are at the party. And he's like, Charles. I'm going to kill everybody unless all of you mutants like go to your Arako planet or like into space. Uh, and Charles like, you can't make us do that. I can't make, you can't make us do that. And, but like, and he threatens him and forces Charles to like telepathically force all of the mutants onto the planet to walk through the nearest gate. Um, mm. And like some of them are able to do this like red resist thing that I think is a reference to an older nineties thing that I didn't read. Like anyway, but then anyway, we find out, uh after they're all gone like charles realizes he tries to use cerebro to find them and he can't find them anywhere and he realizes that when sinister had taken control of the gates to make charles do that he had just like delivered them out into space not on any planet and every mutant died they killed all of the mutants and it's charles's fault because he like made them walk through these gates like against their will and it is um like brayden really didn't like this issue and i didn't get the full details on why they didn't so like i i this is not for everybody but like i love that like 
mutants every x number of years no pun intended need to have like yeah. a big genocidal thing right like utopia yeah. like genosha yeah. or, you know that just that just happens so i don't know how they're going to come back from this or what the the fall yeah, they're just going to resurrect them all yeah i don't know if the five like the five i believe were forced off world and would have died oh I, right of course they will all find a way to come back and everything but it's just like dang charles is gonna be bummed like there's some really great art in the end yeah. it's got to be People like already everybody. don't like charles yeah boy but yeah. mr sinister's a mutant himself what a stinker yeah or it's well it's like one of these sinister variations that showed up in the oh. sinister era it's like yeah, the, the spade the yeah oh. but yeah yeah anyway Gosh. uh I would highly recommend reading it. It is huge, though. It is like many pages with lots of great art and some fine art, but some really good art. And Jerry Duggan wrote the whole thing, old Gare Jerry Bear. And I think he's doing a great job leading this whole thing in Hickman's stead at this point. Wow. Cool. What did you give it? I gave it a 9.0. Ooh, sweet. Yeah. All right. I'll read that. Loved it. It just like kind of made my jaw drop. I kept being like, they're not doing. Oh my god! Oh my god! Like, and that's <laughs> yeah. that's a cool thing to have happen. What, what were there any like mutants left that didn't go to the gala? Like, was Magneto still on Araco or Storm? Was anybody um, spared? Um, there are people that were spared that are like were resisting, and we'll learn more about them right. moving forward. But yeah, I think like you know Emma Frost and Sink and um, uh, you know some other folks, some wow. key players. Man, there's so many comics I still want to talk about, and we've been talking forever, Jeff. Yeah. It was uh, a big, big week. Yeah. What else did you want to talk about? What do you want to talk about, buddy? Seasons Have Teeth. Red oh, God. Room, I forgot Club, to take Seasons Berserker, Have Teeth home. Fucking Space Outlaws. Dude, like, see, don't talk about Seasons Have Teeth. That ended, and I didn't, I didn't even bring it home. Okay, I'm not going to tell you about Seasons Have Teeth, but I am going to read you the note that i sent to dan waters who writes it yeah yeah i said well you got me right in the fields with the seasons have teeth beautiful work some of the saddest most effective work i've read this you series you got especially me right the... in the feels to the author what are you a <laughs> fucking 19 year old girl i'll do what i want come on do what i want i also told him he's got my number and then i realized that he's british and maybe would think that i was trying to get him to call me whoa you hang out with jeff too much yeah anyway uh the last two issues of this are fabulous and sad like horrifically sad what was space out was that a first issue this week yeah it's uh dang it i forgot to grab one marco fontanelli and uh he did god i don't even remember what the other books he did were called they were like short series from scout comics so like uh there was there was one that was like the pentagram or something like that oh yeah pentagram of horror yeah mostly just like studies and disgusting hell-based drawings and this one is like uh horror-y sci-fi uh western and it's yeah it's so gross there's there's just some amazingly disgusting drawings in here and i think that the the downside to the previous books of his that i was reading were that it the it was really light on plot and just gorgeous to look at and fun to follow the the oozing and the guts places but this one actually has a story i don't know how many issues it's going to be but it's going to be more than just this one and um I, I recommend it for anybody that likes art or comics or space or cowboys or guts, guts. and blood. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. What else you got, Django? Um, well, I was seeding this before. Oh. And if you don't know what it was, well, if you don't know what seeding is, a woodworking term, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, but Red Room Crypto Killers number three oh. is basically a takedown of Quentin Tarantino. Oh, uh saying that he's been kind of into red room videos for a long time and like trains the fbi on what red room is and he's got like a prostitute that look is is dressed like uma thurman and he sucks on her feet like it's it is not very well hidden that this is exactly what's going on i wouldn't be surprised if he talked to quentin tarantino about it and quentin thought it was hilarious (laughs) 
that that could totally be too yeah um yeah the guys i don't remember what the guy's name is in here but it's very close to quentin tarantino um yeah i again red room it's, it's just good 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 stuff hey you know what was surprising night What's terrors that? 2 is pretty good i was gonna quit reading night terrors did you after this no after i read this i was like oh. i don't know if i need this anymore so tell me explain thought, to me tell I, me tell, what am i missing jeff i don't i don't think it was great i thought it was pretty good um yeah. i i liked the art throughout it all it had like these cool riley rossimo kind of flashback pages uh love still the like ben templesmith-esque art in the framing devices mm-hmm uh, I really liked the Sandman stuff. I thought that was just well-written, and I was interested in that character. And I would kind of like for him to be interacting with Batman rather than Deadman. Uh, yeah, yeah. T- like have some confidence in this Batman character that seems to maybe have some legs, guys. Yeah, I and I get making it a Deadman thing, but I just like I enjoyed the Sandman character enough that I would like to see Batman interact with him. I really liked what they did with Red Tornado on the final page. That was pretty brutal. Um, I thought this was issue three, so I was kind of excited there was only one more, but there's an issue. Well, it's the third issue, but it's only issue two. Exactly. Um, And they're introducing these, like, sleepless nights, which is kind of a dumb concept, but uh, sounds (laughs) like issue three is going to be just probably a big fight, and then we'll get some resolution in four. But all in all... I, yeah, I was like, after like five pages, I was like, do I want to put this down? I was like, no, I don't really want to. (laughs) (laughs) I will, I'll agree with you on the Sandman stuff. I like, I like his role in it. Um, Yeah. I am really unimpressed with the bad guy. Yeah, the bad guy is not. sucks. Yeah, he's not anything special. Yeah. Did either one of you read the, um, uh, God, Sleepless Nights stuck in my head. Um, the uh the detective comics um night terrors issue this week no no but the art looks awesome yeah and i didn't read it but yeah the art looked awesome and i'm still i was hoping one of you would tell me to read it what did you give that one jeff um i gave it a 7.5 i give it a six and i might not keep reading it and it might stop me from reading the rest like yeah i'll tell you how it goes no worries I don't know. I feel weird skipping a whole DC event like that, but I, I just don't, I don't like so much about it. I don't know if the things I like about it are going to keep me in. Yeah. This one made me feel better about the things I hadn't been liking about it. So yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I see it. I get it. What, yeah. what do you give it Roman? Did you read it? <clears throat> yeah, I, I agree. I'd give it a six. Though the uh, Titans issue, which I was really looking forward to because of the awesome cover. I would give that, give that an even lower. I give that like a five. Poor Titans. The end of the Javier Rodriguez Superman story and Brave and the Bold was this week. There was not oh, a Mitch nice. Garrett's Tom King Joker story in there, but that ended well and had a very melancholic end to one of the more beautifully drawn Superman stories in a while. Roman, yep. did you read Tales of the Teen Titans last week? The uh, Starfire, the Starfire? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, which also had art by Javier Rodriguez, who I just love yeah. the art and we've got we've gotten a fair amount of it lately which is awesome because we haven't gotten any and i, I really like that teen titans issue yeah yeah i did too i'll definitely continue with that mini series yeah each some issue, sh- sorry so each issue just portray our our focuses on a different titan yeah that'll be fun uh, a couple other shout outs for books last week i loved mark miller's big game number one loved that loved, loved solid that. Mm-hmm. um good. loved void rivals number two and did you know that that guy on the last page is a transformer character uh, scrotal or whatever his name is it's like it's like a big pig looking guy i assumed it was a franchise character either gi joe or transformer i didn't recognize him from transformers it was a meat guy from transformers which i thought i always thought was just a robot book but maybe i should read them there's humans in it and then there was one other book in that category last week that i liked a lot that i can't remember what it was it was a it, last week was a pretty small, but it had some pretty solid books. Some very heavy hitters in it, yeah. This week was so big and had so many like high level books. Did did either of you read Berserker Poetry of Madness? No. It's no. Steve Scroach. Yeah, I did flip through it and saw it was yeah. the Scroach. It's gorgeous blood and guts. 
it brings Cthulhu into the Berserker world, which cool. I did not see that coming. Um, like he's living in Atlantis and killing people for a living and defending Atlantis. And then these guys summon Cthulhu and he kills Cthulhu. Um, just super over the top bonkers. Um, I, I would say you should, Jeff, just grab it and, and study each page. Cause it's, yeah, I did. The art is just so solid. I had six nines this week. That's a lot of nines. It's a lot of nines for me. Yeah. If you want to be <laughs> as cool as Will and Marky Mark, you can send us an email at Jeff at the comicsplace.com. J E F F at. He'll forward it to me. The comicsplace.com. I'll usually have it, but my phone died and I hadn't charged it because it was a dead phone. Um, and, uh, yeah. So thanks to Andrew for editing always. And although I might be editing this week, um, Ooh, I'm sorry, buddy. I was doing this <laughs> thinking we were wasting Andrew's time. Yeah, no, it's all good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, as always, I'm Jeff and I'll see you next week. Banyan. Cedar. Oak. Banyan. Oak. Cypress. Banyan. Maple. Banyan. Maple. Joshua Tree. Size of that cockadoodle goddamn do. They will spatchcock a motherfucker for you in the back of that fucking van wagon. They will spatchcock and dry rub a chicken carcass for you. Throw it on a flat top. You will be. You'll have a spatchcock chick. Oh my god, a spatchcocking? Absolutely. Oh my god, sign me up. Yeah, get in line. Yeah, I. I mean, there are races. There are spatchcocking races. You know, who can spatchcock a chicken first? Speedcock. Speedcocking. Speed spatching. (laughs) (laughs) I just gave it a little fast spatch. (laughs) Spatch. Spatch races. Yeah. So, anyway.